Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. We are wrapping up a 10-week series that we've been in as we've been studying the book of Hebrews, an incredible book of the Bible. We're taking the time to process through this mindset that our walk with Christ is not a matter of what we say we are, I'm a Christian, I'm a semblance of God, I, I go to church. It's not a matter of what or the name tag that I wear, but it's a matter of who I truly am. The DNA that runs through my life, the, the relationship that I have with Jesus, the reflection of God that I present to the world around me. Now, today, we're going to wrap up a, a message that I began last week as we look at chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews. We began looking at a race that we're all on. We call it the human race or a, a rat race, but whatever it is, it's a, a race that you and I face each and every day, a, a pursuit that we are on. It's not a matter of routine, of, of sleep, eat, work, repeat, but it's a matter of what are we going to do with what God has given us, the 24 hours that he has given us each and every day. In fact, the question I could ask would be this, how will you run the race? Think about that for a second. How will you run the race? Or maybe I should ask, how are you running the race? How are you doing in life? Are you following the calling that God has set upon your heart? Are you living a life that, that honors him? Or are you finding yourself spiraling downward at a rapid pace? You know, all of us in the room, I'd venture to say that many, if not all of us in the room, and those watching online, we would make a statement like this. Well, I'm a good person. Come on, have you ever said that before? I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Relatively speaking, in comparison to you, I'm a pretty good person. I mean, I see what happens on social media. I'm a good person. I watch the politician. Oh, did I say that loud? I'm a good person. Right? But in the reality, what are we allowing to really run through the veins and the DNA of our lives? How are we running the race that God has set before us? Look at our text today. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight, we'll talk about that in just a moment, that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. But here's what I want you to grab. And let us run with endurance, the race that God has set before us. There is a, a race, there is a, a path, there is a plan that God has for your life. Every one of us, God has ordained a, a direction, a perfect will for your life. The question is, 
Are we allowing ourselves to so align our lives with who he is? Are we connected with him in such a way that what causes his heart to beat causes our heart to beat? What breaks his heart breaks our heart. His will is our will. His desire is our desire. Are we allowing ourselves to come so close to God that his DNA, his nature, his character regularly runs through our lives. We've talked about it before. The Holy Spirit produces a nature inside of us. In fact, there's nine components to that nature. And what's interesting, the Bible calls it the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruits multiple of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit. And if you really begin to look at that, you have one fruit with nine characteristics. But here's what I've discovered. As God begins to place that nature inside of you, as the Holy Spirit produces this character in you, what happens is we can't pick and choose what parts of it we want and what we want to leave behind because it's one fruit that's been planted inside of our lives. So I wonder today, as we're running this race, as we're journeying in pursuits, what are we running toward? What is your end goal? That will help you to discover how you're going to run the race. You see, it's time that we as Christians move beyond the what of religion. It's time that we move beyond punching a spiritual time card every single week and saying, well, I'm good enough because I went to church for an hour and 15 minutes. I've said it before, but that's not going to save you. Man, I can come to church every single week and still split hell wide open. Because it's not about the what's of Christianity. It's about the who. Are you allowing your life to be transformed, to be renewed? Are you allowing there to be a shift in your nature, in your relationship with him so that you move from what to the who of this relationship with God, the relationship that he desires for you and for me today? We must begin to not only run the race, but to run the race with endurance. Our text said, and let us run with endurance. It doesn't say let us hobble along. Let us take a a little stroll. Let us jog across town. No, no, no. It says run with endurance. And this word endurance, it refers to a man that is not distracted or a person that's not distracted. They're not easily swerved off course even by the greatest trials of life. How is that possible? Absolutely. Who are you focusing in on? We looked at a couple of illustrations last week. We had pictures up here of of athletes as they were running a race or as they were cycling in a race and they were remaining focused. They knew the end goal. They knew where they were headed. They knew where they were going. And therefore, nothing would deter them from the finish line. But here's the problem. Sometimes we have 
obstacles that come along our way. Sometimes we face issues. Anybody ever face issues? Don't look at your neighbor. (laughs) Some of us face issues in life. If you haven't faced an issue yet, get ready. Tomorrow will be here in just a few hours. When those issues arise, when those struggles come your direction, when those problems are right in front of you, are you so focused in on God that it doesn't allow you to swerve off course? Or does it take you in a direction you never meant to go? He says, run with endurance. As we look at chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews, we discover that the author is writing to a group of Hebrews that honestly were struggling a bit. They were, they were facing some issues and they were drifting off course or maybe there was a threat of drifting off course. So he was trying to give them nine principles or nine principles that we see of how do we run this race Staying focused and accomplishing the task that God has set before us. Now, last week, I gave you the first five. Today, I'm going to give you the remaining four. But just in case you forgot last week, I'm going to recap the first five very quickly. How many of you have already forgotten last week? How many of you remember what you had for dinner last night? Yeah, all right. About the same amount of people that forgot last week. All right, let me recap the first five very quickly. Number one, I must depend on others. These are written in the box of the top of your outline. They're already filled in for you. I must depend on others. Hebrews 12.1, therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses of the life of faith, Suffice it to say, I need you, and you need me, and you need the person across the room. We were created for community. From the very beginning of time, God created man. But what did he say when he looked down at Adam? He said, it's not good that man should be alone. We were created for community. We were created to be a part of something larger than self. Number two, I must get rid of the junk. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Let's pause for a moment. What's weight? A weight is any distraction, any hindrance, anything that slows you. And then he goes on to say, especially the sin. So the weight may not be a sin. It's just an issue in life. It's something that's taking more focus than than God is being given. And now especially the sin that easily trips you up. What is that sin that you've become comfortable with? It's easy to default to it. No one else knows about it. You kind of hide it in the back pocket. You don't really like it, but you fall back to it because it's, it's what you know. What is that sin that God wants to release you from today? Don't leave anything behind. Get rid of it all. Let us strip off every weight, especially the sin. Discipline number three, I must run with endurance. I must run 
with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Again, we're not called to mosey through life, but to move with diligence, not on any race, not on a race of my choice or the race of your choice, but what is the race that God has set before you? I'm here to tell you, the race that he has for you is going to be so much greater than any race that you can choose for yourself. Why? Because he already has a plan. He already knows what's happening in your life. He is not confined to today. He already knows yesterday. He knows today, and he knows forever. And through it all, he never changes. Look at number four, discipline number four. I must commit to stay focused. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Are you staying focused? There's a lot of things in life that can distract us. A lot of shiny objects out there, yes? They grab your attention. They, they get more attention than God is allowed to get in your life. So what are the distractions? What are the surroundings? What is the competition that has derailed you from finishing strong the race that God has set before you? Number five, I must prepare for opposition. Now, we all can expect opposition in life, yes? yes. We're, we're going to face opposition. It's going to be around. Why? Because we all have an opinion. And oftentimes, that opinion is different than somebody else in the room. For example, I was a little sad last fall when McDonald's said the McRib was not coming back. Now, in this room, if I was to poll this room, some of you, Scott, where are you, Scott? Some of you would agree with me that, hey, we're sad that McRib's not coming back. Others of you in the room, you are rejoicing in that moment. Maybe I can give something else you can relate to. I can say how many of you are Kansas City Royals fans? How many of you are St. Louis Cardinal fans? See, we've got a difference of opinion. I almost need to have a cardinal section and a, a royal section in here. But we all have an opinion, and we're going to face opposition in life because we have those opinions. But the question is, are you just going to face them head on, or are you going to prepare for the opposition in life? You take the time to recalibrate your commitment to God, your purpose for God, you look toward the values that he set before you. Yeah, we can expect daily pr pressures of life, but the difference comes in how we prepare for that. We take up that cross, we follow after God, we allow his plan, his purpose to be the driving force in our lives. We seek his kingdom first. And allow him to give us the wisdom. The Bible says when we lack wisdom, where do we turn? We, we call out to God, the, the one who's got an abundance of wisdom. And he generously gives that to you. We rely upon the one that holds it all together for us. All right, so here we are. We have our last four disciplines. Look at number six. I must remember who I'm running for. Think about that. Who are you running this race for? Verse 5 says it this way. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? 
Now, here's what I've discovered. Oftentimes, this is what happens. Somebody gives their life to Jesus, and they're super excited about that. There's a new passion, a new drive, because God has given you hope that perhaps you hadn't had for many, many years. God had given you a a release. You felt the pressures of life come off your shoulders. Suddenly, there's a newfound strength on the inside of you, but the problem falls in the fact that in due time and over a period of time, that excitement begins to fade. And we forget the encouragement, the hope, the love, the grace, the mercy that God has given to us. I want to challenge you to step back and remember what God has done. That's one reason why we receive communion every month. Just to take a moment to look back, for some of you it's two years, maybe five years, some of you it's 40, 50, 60, 70 years that you've been saved, you followed after Jesus, to think back just for a moment. What did God bring you out of? What was that spiral that he delivered you from? The author here says, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? Now the author is writing to the children of Israel, the the Hebrews, and truth be told, the nation of Israel were referred to as God's children. That's why he says, spoken to you as his children. They understood that one of the greatest characteristics of God was his faithfulness. More than any other characteristic of God, this idea of faithfulness is mentioned over and over and over in the Old Testament. In fact, in Joshua chapter 21, verse 45, it says this, all the good promises that the Lord had given Israel came true. I would here to here to tell you today that the promises that God has laid upon your life will in fact come true. God is a faithful God. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, he God is a faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations. Come on, look at that. He's a faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. I don't know about you, but I can't even hardly fathom a thousand generations. I can't even fathom a thousand years. I have a hard time fathoming a hundred years. But here the Bible says that God is so faithful that the promises that he's laid before us will continue for a thousand generations. Now look at this. When you're running this race, this race called life, it's important that you remember who you're running the race for. Now, if you're an athlete, and we have some athletes in the room today, it's important 
that you realize what team you're playing for. Then the name on the front of the jersey is more important than the name on the back of the jersey. Yes? Let me think about this. If you're playing basketball and you're on the court and you forget what name's on the front of the jersey and suddenly you go to, go to the wrong goal and you shoot and you make a basket, that's not good. Right? If you're on a football team, the ball is hiked, and suddenly you look over and you realize, hey, the quarterback has the ball, and you tackle the guy, but the problem is he's wearing the same jersey you are. That's a problem. Yes? Did you know as Christians, it's vitally important that we understand whose team we're on? Let me say this real quick. It's vitally important that we're careful not to destroy other Christians. Social media is not the place to have a theological argument. Come on, listen carefully. This isn't in my note. This this is free. Okay? Social media is not the place. I have, I have great friends that are pastors throughout this community. Do we agree 100% on all the doctrinal things? No. Can I still love them and appreciate them? Absolutely. Here's the important thing. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus rose. He's coming again. Come on. That's the, that's the important stuff. That's the important stuff. Jesus came, he died, he rose, he's coming again. The question is, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to live a life that honors him? We've got to remember whose team that we're, we're running this race for. Number seven. I must learn to accept correction. Now, why did I put the word learn in there? I must learn to accept correction. Because our natural tendency is to push back from correction. Our natural tendency in life is when when somebody gives direction, we don't want to receive it. We want to build a wall around and try to justify our action or justify our behavior. We compare ourselves, as we were talking about earlier, to one another. And the problem is, in some of those cases, I'm doing better than you are, but in some of those cases, you're better than I am. So our justification on human standard doesn't work. It's not until we begin to lay the foundation upon the truth of who God is that we will discover who we truly are in him. He's a loving God. He's a gracious God. He's a forgiving God. But he's also a just God. You see, there's got to come this point in time that I make a decision to run away from sin. We read it a couple weeks ago. Because we have this new relationship, does that give us us an excuse to keep on sinning so that we can allow the grace of God to be amplified? No. 
that's taking advantage of the grace of God. The word repent literally means to turn and run from the sin. To turn and go in the opposite direction. The problem that we have sometimes is we, we just ask for forgiveness, we walk a couple steps, then we kind of slip back and grab a little bit of it and stick it in our pockets. Kind of like when you're at a restaurant and the service says, are you done? And you're like, I'm still grazing. Come on, have you ever been to the restaurant and you're still grazing? And there's moments that I'm like, I am done. So when I'm done, I put my silverware on the plate. I throw my napkin on top of my food because I know that if I put a nasty napkin on top of the food, I'm not going back in. Some of us in our walk with Christ, we've got to learn to accept the correction that he's given us. Look what it says in Hebrews 12, 5. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. Look at that. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he corrects you. God wants to see you thrive in life. God wants to give you an opportunity to move forward in progression with him. In fact, the Bible says in John 10, 10, that Jesus came so that you may have a life and have it in its abundance. To give you a rich, full, satisfying life. But there are moments in life that we face correction and we push back because, let's be honest, sometimes the truth hurts. But before you can accept that truth, you've got to grasp the truth of God's word. His unconditional, unfailing love for you. His mercies that are new every morning. The Bible says, great is his faithfulness. I'm going to challenge you today. Lean in to the correction of God. Why? Because he has your best interest at heart. Number eight is this. I must embrace God's discipline. Oh, come on, look at that. We got to accept the correction, and now I've got to embrace the discipline? Absolutely. The Bible says, as you endure, this word endure means cling to your salvation, hold tightly to the hope of your salvation, endure this divine discipline. Remember that God is treating you as his own children. Come on, look at that verse. Can you put that up there for me? As you endure this divine discipline, discipline. Remember, don't forget. Don't cast it to the side. But remember that God is treating you as his own children. This is the driving force that's moving us forward as we passionately pursue more and more and more of God. He says the only reason that I'm saying this to you. The only reason that you feel that conviction in your heart right now is because the Holy Spirit is talking to you. And he's talking to you because I love you. 
But we have to understand there's a difference between punishment and discipline. Discipline has a purpose. Discipline is done with a heart of correction. Discipline is done with a desire to see growth and real change in a life. Yet punishment is done out of frustration and as a result of wrongdoing. Do we see the difference? God says, because you're my child, I'm going to discipline you in a manner that is going to help you to grow, to improve, to learn. Now, a parent, there can be a difference in how you raise your child, how you discipline them or how you punishment, punish them. Discipline is taking the time to explain, baby girl, this is why that's not good. This is why that's a bad choice. This is why you shouldn't do that. This is why that is wrong. And helping them in that journey, helping them to grow through that so that next time that opposition, next time that struggle, next time that temptation comes their direction, they'll realize that's not a smart move in my life. I'm going to walk away. Yet punishment is done out of frustration, out of anger, Parents, have you ever been frustrated with your kids? Have you ever had those moments you're like, you know what? We need to deal with this, but I need about five minutes. Yeah? Some of you need to take about five minutes. Because sometimes we don't think clearly in that moment when we punish. We need to take a moment to step back. Okay, Lord, give me direction on this. Because right now my direction is not of you. Come on, come on. Oh, some of you are like, oh, Pastor, how could you say that? Come on. We're parents. And, and I'm not a grandparent yet. He said, and grandparents. Nope, not yet. Yeah, yeah, not yet, not yet, not yet. All right, um, let's see, let's go on here. God desires to correct you and bring you to the place of spiritual growth and maturity. That's what this series is all about. Growing spiritually, allowing God to take us from this infancy of a relationship with him and bring us to this place of spiritual maturity. Now, here's the problem. That's going to take some time. And the problem with that is this. We don't like to do the hard work to take the time. Again, back to the athletes. Man, you're going to train a lot, right? You're going to put in a lot of hard work. We've got some softball and baseball players today. Man, you guys are putting in hard work. You're throwing, you're catching, you're running, you're, you're getting your calisthenics going. I don't even know what you do. I don't know. I'm a musician. I don't know. But you're working hard. You're putting in the time. And that's what we've got to do in our walk with Christ as well. We gotta take that time to, to dive into the Word of God. We gotta take that time to invest in our relationship with God. We gotta take that time to allow those other Christians around us to sharpen that relationship so that we grow and mature with Him. Look what He says I correct and discipline everyone I love. Come on. He says in Revelation 3, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and I knock. 
If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will share a meal together as friends. Did you see this progression? He lays out the fact that yes, he corrects us. Yes, he disciplines us when we need it. Why? Because he loves us. He doesn't want to see us in the same spiral day after day after day after day after day after day. But he wants to bring us out of the muck and the mire of life. He wants to bring us out of the struggles of life. He has a plan, a hope, a future for our life. And he does it because he loves us. Then he challenges us. He says, be diligent. Turn from your indifference. Some of you are like, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Turn from your indifference. But then he begins to tell us, I'm standing at the door of your life. I'm knocking. If you'll just open up that door, if you'll just let me in, we'll spend time together. I'll invest in your life. Why? Because I love you. Let me ask you a question this morning, though. Does every problem that we face in life, is every one of those problems a discipline from God? No. Sometimes you face problems in life because you're facing problems in life. Sometimes life's just not fair. Sometimes life's just a, a struggle. Every one of us have problems. John 16, tells us we're going to have issues in life. But when God is disciplining you, there's going to be a clear direction that he lays upon your life. The Holy Spirit begins to steer you and guide you and lead you into all truth, the Bible says. It's in that moment that we have to begin to apply Psalm chapter 46, which says, Be still and know that I am God. Stop running aimlessly. Stop toying with foolishness. Be still and listen to the voice of God. Look at discipline number nine. I must begin to train others. I must begin to train others. Verse 12 and 13 says it this way. So take a new grip. Come on. You've been holding on. He's like, come on, just for a moment, reposition your hands. Get a new grip on your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. The author of this great book begins to Describe an individual that is tired, that is worn down. Perhaps they're a bit discouraged. Maybe that's you today. That was certainly the, the readers, original readers of the book of Hebrews. They were tired, they were worn, they were weary. And he says, you need to strengthen your arms, you need to strengthen your legs so that you can strengthen Others. Now, this is a direct quote from Isaiah 35, which says, Strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those who, with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. What the author is getting at here is that, that you and I are called to be 
and assets to help those in life that are struggling in different ways. It's almost as if these nine disciplines have somehow made a full circle. Do you remember discipline number one? I must depend on others. And now I, here I am on number nine, I must begin to train others. I wonder what is it that you have been through in your life that God wants to use to help strengthen and encourage and advance somebody in your circle of influence. Second Corinthians says this, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. When we face those oppositions in life, when we face those problems in life, God begins to speak into us. He begins to mature us in our faith so that when someone around us is going through an issue much like what we've been through, we can help them to tighten their grip. We can help them strengthen their legs. We can help them in that journey Never has God called us as Christians to be inwardly focused. That's why our mission as a church is love, reach, empower. All three of those are outwardly focused. Ultimately, those are the great commission to go and share the good news of Jesus everywhere to make disciples of all nations. I'm reminded of a song that we used to sing as kids it said, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. But it didn't stop there. It went on to say, hide it under a bushel. And then we all got excited in Sunday school class. And what did we do? We stood to our feet and we shouted, no. Right? Okay, maybe you were in a boring Sunday school. My mom was the children's pastor. It was crazy up in there. Hide it under a bushel. No. I would say to you today, as you move from the what to the who of Christianity, as you allow the DNA, the characteristic of God to begin to run through your veins, don't hide it under a bushel. Don't cover it up. But allow it to shine so that the world around you will know of the goodness and the grace of God. You're not the only one running the race. But God has a plan for the journey that he set you on. Today, our action step says this. Don't stop. Keep your focus and run the race. I would challenge you today. Go in full pursuit. Go all in in your walk with Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.